Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. We've got George Elfund from Rallyware, whose revenue is north of $5 million. Give it up for George, everybody. Thank you very much, everyone. Really appreciate seeing you all here, 9 a.m. on Friday. I know it's <laughs> on the second day is not that easy to come in that early, but uh, really, really good to see everyone. So uh, my name is George Alfond. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Rallyware. And uh, we'll talk today about a couple of uh, things. First, like I'll start, like I'll talk about the revenues. Uh, we'll actually, we're at around uh, slightly above 7.5. Uh, and um, as you can see, the revenues, interestingly, like the growth is, has been uh, actually accelerating rather than decelerating over the years. And if you look at 2000, before 2018, it probably took us as many years as it took us to grow to get to that number. And the reason for that is I'll be talking about uh, we are in the... Uh, pr primarily, like we do a lot of work in a smaller niche industry, and it takes a long time to actually establish yourself, to build the reputation, to get uh, to the right place uh, with it. And uh, some of the lessons, some of the rules when you're operating, selling into a smaller industry are very different than when you're selling, like what is being taught, like for startups that are selling like into a very large, broad, uh, broad market. So uh, we'll talk about a couple of things. One, I'll talk about the sales and niche industry, as I said already, how we transformed our messaging to help us uh, accelerate the sales, what are the must-haves of uh, conquering a smaller industry, and lessons for quick and sustainable scaling. I'll then switch the gears and talk about the importance of core values, because you could build sales, you could do a lot of great things, but uh, what we learned is the team is the key, the people are the most important assets you have, and a lot of people keep saying that, but as you grow more, the more you actually feel it and the more you realize it, and how it comes to the point like when it's important to have the core values. Not just because someone said that, but because you actually feel that's the way how your team uh, should be operating and how you, uh, how you succeed. And the third one, I'll talk about the case study, how the, actually our core values uh, helped us. Uh, like this is the case in point, how core values helped us in a very specific, very tragic, very difficult situation. We had a big part of our team uh, in Kharkiv in Ukraine on the day that the invasion started. So we'll talk about uh, that and that will be another part, very emotional part of the, of the presentation. So let's go right in it. Um, so let me start before even I go what we do. Uh, let me start into what rather what is our overall broad uh, mission statement is. 
Rollover's mission statement is to provide an opportunity for every member of any distributed group to feel connected, engaged, and valued within the other overarching community to unlock their full potential. A lot of great words, a lot of the, how we feel, what we want to change, but how does it transform into the marketplace? You can't come with just your mission statement and expect the customers to buy it. So we decided we want to conquer the world. We want to go into the big industry. And we said, okay, so what our product does? It's Rollover reinvents enterprise training by uh, connecting learning activities with operational and performance data. And this, as a result, delivers great significant KPI improvements uh, for companies with remote and distributed workforces. A lot of interesting, great uh, words, great insights. Uh, what we learned from it, like when we went to the, uh, to the marketplace and uh, tried to sell it, like we've faced quite a few obstacles. And uh, the obstacles were we saw that uh, this is not specific enough for the industry pains. There is a lack of emotional connection with the buyers, with the industry. It sounds interesting, but what's in it for me? Very often we were getting that question. Not enough credibility with existing industry players. Is this mission critical? That's the question you'll always be getting, regardless whether you are mission critical or not. And there are very few instances when you can actually prove it without before getting into, into the customer. And uh, we're getting low conversion uh, rates on our, uh, on our funnel as a result. So uh, we went back and we realized, okay, we're getting most of our sales in uh, one industry and that industry is getting a lot of value. So instead of being overly generic and trying to conquer the world, why don't we actually focus on that industry and focus on the language for that industry? It's an industry, it's a relatively smaller uh, industry that's uh, called direct selling, like companies uh, like Avon, Herbalife, uh, etc. Uh, and uh, it has its own rules, it has its own um, uh, structure and everything. So uh, we had to really build uh, the language and build the messaging right for that industry. So we introduced the Rollover uh, <coughs> suite, which is uh, connected as a field performance enablement platform. And it's an end-to-end -end software, uh, software suite uh, purpose-built to maximize the user experience, engagement, and success of direct selling field teams across their entire selling lifecycle. Very specific, very uh, language that really fits into that industry that really resonates with the pains that they're having. Then we were very excited to talk about the metrics that we've got. So it was great, like the numbers are tremendous, like could change the world. Still didn't really resonate as, mu uh, as much with the industry. So we went back and really went specific on that industry. So what is Rollover? Like we talked about like years of experience in specifically in that direct selling industry. Uh, what we do, that we are trusted by a large number of, of the largest brands in that industry. And the most important, like the specific capabilities and the most important is the specific ROI numbers on the specific metrics in that industry. So as specific, be as specific as you can be with the industry. Don't worry about not being broad enough, you can start uh, small, you can focus, and then you, you can conquer the rest, uh, the, the rest uh, other industries or you can expand within the industry. 
So as a result of these efforts, we were able to get great customers that are leaders in the direct selling industry. And interestingly, even though our language was focused on that industry, seeing the success in the industry, we were able to get outside and got some really cool customers uh, in, the, in the tech world and, uh, and a few other verticals. So let me talk about a couple of the must-haves for conquering the smaller and the niche industry. On the marketing side, be as deep as you can with the industry. It's important you're developing the reputation. It's all based on long-term relationships. It's all based on knowing your customers. So going into any, trying to get any industry awards, as many of them as you can, case studies, very specific ones with specific KPIs, specific numbers, not just to publish something, but really when you can, like less is more. What you can, you can have less case studies, but with very, very specific insights. If you're doing press releases, it's very important to make sure that they're published by customers, not by you, because it adds a lot of credibility. Sometimes there's a lot of back and forth on that. Sometimes you have to provide the discount for that, but uh, those discounts are very well worth it. Um, and webinars and many other things that could be pertaining to you. Uh, very important in terms of the expansion because everybody is asking like niche industry what do you do how do you expand like what uh, uh, what can i do how can i grow the business to be like on the venture heights so there's a lot of opportunities for expansion the more the deeper you get into the industry the more the industry understands you and as you're bringing value they will want to buy more from you so you can form the right partnerships that can provide additional value for you you can introduce and should introduce new product offerings because the customers, like if you're truly bringing them value, they keep asking like, what else can you do for us? We're ready to pay, we're right here, but just, uh, just give us something. International expansion. Sometimes the industry could seem uh, much smaller within the US or like some of the mark traditional markets, but globally there is a lot more opportunities. So uh, sometimes it takes time and effort to uncover them, but as you're uncovering them, you will get a lot of value as well. And always look, every industry has uh, adjacent industries, adjacent verticals that with small modifications, primarily on the messaging, you can actually go ahead and, uh, and with your with having proven a value and uh, having great metrics in, in that industry, you can actually go uh, and conquer them. Like for example, a lot of direct selling is, is an industry, but it's also a way, it's a channel, it's a way of selling. But a lot of companies within direct selling sell cosmetics. So uh, after we've developed amazing uh, results, amazing case studies with uh, the companies in direct selling and a lot of our cu customers happen to be cosmetics, we're like, okay, we can go into retail with the cosmetics ca use case and uh, uh, really proving the value through that. So there's lots of opportunities. Don't think that the niche market is, is small by itself. What's critical is really showing, the, especially if you're in the enterprise, is showing the meaningful quantifiable uh, ROI. And here I don't mean just showing the usage metrics or engagement, and that's what most of the uh, software companies uh, do. Like to really prove your value, you need to prove and show how it affects the business of your clients. It takes time sometimes, sometimes it takes, in, especially in the beginning, non-scalable methods, like doing a lot of these calculations by, by hand and then productizing them, but the value you're bringing with that, like don't underestimate it. And of course, the Rockstar uh, team, especially in sales, that uh, operates uh, based on values. 
for that, like hire only the best people, people that have within the niche industry that have the reputation that uh, that other people in the industry know well and trust them. And also very importantly, especially with the enterprise sales, when you're selling based on ROI, based on uh, the increase in KPIs, it's very critical that uh, it's very critical that you bring the sales leaders that not only just build relationships and. Uh, can shake hands and ask for the order, but really can challenge the customers that you have this problem and here's the, how you solve it and this is the best solution. Those are the types of people that make the difference for you. So when you're doing some of the uh, awards, very uh, feel free to be memorable, feel, feel free to do what you care about when you're accepting them. For example, for me this year, I'm from Ukraine originally, a big part of our team is in Ukraine. We happened to get the industry award in direct selling, very unexpectedly for us when we were in the audience, and I had a Ukrainian flag right with me, so I didn't know what the reception would be, and but I knew we were doing this for the team, and uh, while like a lot of people were being bombed right at that moment, it was very important for us to stand the Ukrainian flag. We got a standing ovation, and everyone, came, uh, people were coming up, and everyone was really, really touched, and that like actually helped people remember us better and really not just fulfill like what we felt really strongly about, but also um, build an impact for the business. Uh, case studies, of course, have numbers, have quotes, have very, very specific information, as specific as you get. You're not doing it for a, a CEO, you're doing it for uh, really impact and the, uh, and the customers read them. Of course, get into as many publications that your industry could have. Uh, it's important to stay on top of mind. It's important for people to remember you. It's important for people to feel, oh, if they got printed here, they're credible. So uh, I should talk to them. This is, this is very critical. Uh, so to finish that part of the conversation, let me give you a couple of myths and uh, the reality on them. So for example, like a lot of people say, oh, small niche industry is quick to capture. I wish so, it's not true, it takes years, uh, but once you take that time and you conquer it, you're actually, you build the reputation and you can scale very fast. Second is, you know, in all the startup schools, they'll say, they'll tell you, fail fast and, uh, and learn from it. Uh, great learning when you have a huge industry and you can sell to as many people as you can and you'll never remember the people that you failed with. Not in the smaller industries. Reputation is the key and your fast failure, as much as you learn from it, will be remembered. Uh, small niche industry means small addressable market. Don't agree with that either. Because once you establish yourself, once you have a reputation, they want to buy more from it. So. From you, there's a lot of opportunities for expansion. You can also expand not just in terms of products, but also in terms of geographies. So, uh, so then uh, that's all for my uh, first part. Now I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about the importance of core values, how you build the team, and so forth. All right. Uh, so. Let's do that. Uh, we started with the key beliefs to founders who want to do good things, be with people, lead by example, and so forth. Uh, hire people the same way, but as you scale, the beliefs don't scale by themselves. So we decided we need to introduce the core values. 
and our core values are go all in, we make things, we go all in, we make things happen and we grow together. Very important uh, for us and uh, we've been doing a lot, like as we realized, like a lot of the traits, a lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, qualities come from them. So recruiting, goal settings, onboarding, performance evaluation, all of these are utilizing our core values and we've realized that it's a really good way to 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 see like how people are performing and where they're going. Um, I want to jump on the section about the war. Uh, that's where our core values came uh, into play on February 24th, uh, 2022, this year. Our lives got changed and uh, we were, um, we had 82 people in Kharkiv, Ukraine, 20 minutes from the Russia border. It's been crazy. We knew something was going on the weeks coming in, but we didn't know what. I personally didn't believe in the war happening, but it did. Uh, but as a CEO, we had to prepare. How do you prepare for the war? They don't teach it at business school. They don't teach it at accelerators. But um, what we did, we looked at a lot of plans. Some of them said, one of them said, like, at 10 a.m. after the invasion, we'll all get at a bus stop and we'll get evacuated. Good luck doing that. This is really, really tough. When the war starts, everything changes. So instead of that, we decided, okay, we have core values. We'll develop a set of operating principles that we'll operate by. We can't provide you a detailed plan, but we can tell you how we will be making the decisions when we do that. So what we did, we did, uh, we did this as a, par, uh, uh, a brief outline of our plan. We said, we can confirm to everyone physical safety and security are the most important things. Uh, we'll help you uh, with accommodations, we'll help you with evacuations, but we don't know where, how, what, like we will be, what we're promising, we will be making the decisions as, like, uh, as, as there's a need to come in. We'll be very quick to make those decisions and we'll take everyone's interest into, into account. We, uh, we started uh, uh, really uh, working very close. Oops, what happened? Didn't I? Okay, uh, so as the war started, the attack changed everything. We got the two days before we told people to evacuate. Only 20% did. The rest like, were really having a hard time for the next uh, at least two weeks because you couldn't get out of Kharkiv. People were getting, staying in the office because that proved to be the safest location with kids, with, uh, uh, with pets, with every, everyone. And, uh, our team was getting just stronger, you know, like all the, you've seen all the articles, all the press about it. And uh, we, one thing I want to say, we split the team, Rallower became basically three teams. One is uh, the, uh, the team in Ukraine who was told, don't work, don't worry about work, don't worry about uh, uh, anything, we'll take care. Crisis management, myself and uh, a couple of other leaders in the company were 24-7 figuring things out for the team. And then business continuity is the rest of the executives and the teams in the US and the rest of the world were actually taking care of business, which worked out very, very well. We didn't have any disruptions, any problems with the customers. It's actually, uh, as you've seen, the business has been growing this year despite all the craziness. So here's some pictures from our office, 24-7 operations. It's been insane. Now we only have three people in, in Kharkiv out of 82. Everyone else was left the city and the country since then. Uh, as I said, business continuity went great. We've relocated people out of Kharkiv first, out of, um, out of Ukraine, and then we found the permanent relocations. Uh, we actually ran a, um, 
a rescue operation for this guy. He was 50 days uh, in the outskirts of Kharkiv. He got into the, he was in the village that was taken by Russians on day one. They lost electricity. They lived in a ba basement for 50 days. We've been trying like for all that time to figure out how to get him out. And uh, we ended up hiring international rescue agency to get it. Like this is, this is a story for a movie. It, it's been incredible. He is now in Toronto. We're very excited to have him. Um, our customer gave us a house in Germany, just said, please guys, live there. We really want to uh, want you to be well. So really people reacted and have been great with us. Uh, new offices, Toronto and Barcelona, we expanded our Toronto, created Barcelona as a new European location. And we're looking forward for good times to come back. I, as I was listening yesterday to a presentation about the global retreat for the uh, for the team, like I'm like, that's what we're doing next year after after we win and after Ukraine uh, get, gets gets its place back. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you for your support and.